We are in part two of our series we started last week, and we have had great response to this series. I think it has made a connection with a lot of people. We've journeyed through anxiety, depression, mental illness areas in our family, and so as we've done this series called Out of the Pit, talking about depression, talking about anxiety, talking about mental illness, um, we've had a lot of great response from people who have said this is, I'm glad a church is talking about this. And that's really one of our goals is we want to be a safe place where we just bring up our issues that we're going through. We are not perfect people. We've done a disservice as the church worldwide if we've conveyed this message that church is for perfect people because we are all here and we could all say, yeah, no, that's not the case at all. Um, but we have been uh, talking about some of the things that we go through, things that we face in our families, in our marriages, in our lives. We battle seasons of depression. Loved ones in our lives battle seasons of depression, anxiety, panic attacks, other forms of mental illness. So if you weren't here last week, I'm going to give you a little brief uh, recap of last week. We talked about last week's theme was, how did I get here? Talked about mental illness. How, what are the causes of mental illness? What are the causes of depression, anxiety? We talked about a few things. If you want, you can go to our church website, homesteadcommunitychurch.org. You can listen to last week's message and, and get caught up if you want. But essentially, we talked about how it's an illness. It is an illness. It is not a weakness. It is an illness. We talked about there's many different causes. Some of them can be physical causes, just being burnt out, unhealthy living. We talked about there can be some emotional causes, talking about some trauma. Maybe there's been trauma in your childhood or in your past, or something that's happened to you by others that you have this bitterness and unforgiveness, and that can lead to physical ramifications. It can be simply a medical issue. We talked about chemicals in our brain, chemical imbalance. This can be just simply a medical thing where your brain is supposed to be putting out different hormones, different chemicals at different times, and it's just not doing that right. And that can lead to depression. That can lead to anxiety. That can lead to panic. That can lead to any number of things. So I want to encourage you as we're kind of recapping where we were last week, this is something we face. This is something that a number of people face. One in four people will face mental illness at some point. This affects our families, our marriages. You are not alone. And that's really what I want to convey to you today. You are not alone. There is sometimes a stigma attached to mental illness. We talked about this last week. Certainly in the church world, there can be a stigma attached to mental illness where we will respond to people who are facing depression or anxiety with a and maybe you've heard this before, if you battle a form of this. You'll hear people who mean well, but it doesn't help. You'll hear them say, well, just think positive. Have you ever heard that when you're facing anxiety or depression? Just think positive. Um, the worst one is, there's always someone worse off than you. So think positive. And that doesn't, if you're battling that, that doesn't really help. In the church world, we do an even worse job at times because we talk about spiritual things like, well, just pray more. That's just a sign. If you're battling depression, that's a sign that you're not spiritual enough. And those things can just cause damage. But I want to tell you, this is something that you are not alone if you are battling. This is something that in a church, we need to bring up these things. I want, a church, I want our church to be a community that is a safe place for us to bring up our struggles. And finally, we talked about not only the physical and emotional side of this, but a spiritual side of this. We need to bring God into our struggles. We need to bring God into our struggles. Maybe you're here today and you don't really have a framework where you bring God into your life. Maybe you think God is just a distant God that wants nothing to do with you. 
or that God doesn't even really exist. But what I want to talk about today and what we talked about last week is the importance of bringing God into our lives, especially in our struggles. We need to anchor ourselves in God's word, in the truth. There are so many times, especially when we face mental illness, depression, anxiety, where our feelings feel so real and so overwhelming. And in those moments, we have to convince ourselves, I know this feels real, but I know what the truth is, and we find the truth in God's Word. So we had those scripture books. I don't have one with me right now, but little books that you can find out in the back, just scriptural reminders of who you are in Christ, that God is with you no matter what, that you are never lost, that God's hope and peace is always with you. Just different scripture verses, Bible verses that you can take. It's a little flip book. They're just short little scriptures that you can commit to memory or just spend some time reading. Or when you're facing a struggle, when you're facing a panic attack or depression, you can read through these and know the truth of scripture. We had, um, each week of this series, a couple things real quick. We have some guests with us out in the lobby. They have set up booths and displays. Guests from different counseling organizations, different um, Dakota County Health Services, NAMI, the National Alliance for Mental Illness, different Christian counseling agencies, Water's Edge, and Life Development Resources. They are going to be back there because I will reiterate today what I said last week. I am not an expert in this field. Okay, I am not an expert in this field. If you have practical questions, they are here to answer your questions. I'm so thankful that they are here helping us out in this. And finally, each week we're going to have someone share their story their personal story of going through depression, going through anxiety. And last week, Liz shared her story just about anxiety, panic attacks. And I had a number of people comment about how her testimony, thank you, Liz, for sharing last week, her testimony just rang true for a number of people, especially when she said, I would hear someone talk about anxiety, and it was like they were calling out my name. Anxiety had attached itself as an identity, and it was like they were calling out my name. What a great, powerful testimony. And if you missed that, go, you can go online and listen to that last week. Today, in a few minutes, Brooke, our student director, or part of our student ministries team, she's going to st- share her story. A powerful story of tragedy leading to depression, and her journey through that, seeing good come out of that through the midst of unbelievably tragic circumstances, seeing God bring good out of that. That's going to be in a little bit. So as we get going today, I want to start out with the scripture verse that we started out last week. Kind of the theme verse for this whole series, Psalm 40. It's going to be on the screen. I'm going to read it with you here. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. Do we got that one on the screen? There we go. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground. Next slide. As I, and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. I love that scripture verse. The Lord lifted me out of the pit. He's given me a new song to sing. I mentioned this last week. Sometimes our lives, like Liz said, our lives feel like they're identified by struggles that we go through. But the Lord comes and instead of singing a song of anxiety, of panic, of depression, of any other struggle, he gives us a new song in our lives. I love that. So today, part two, we're going to be talking about this. How long will I be here? How long will I be here? Last week we talked about depression, anxiety. How did I get here? Today we're doing how long will I be here? Talk about the struggle when you're in a long battle. 
of depression or mental illness. And this really applies to any struggle we go through. A physical illness, tragedy, a marriage that's falling apart, family that's falling apart, kids that are having a hard time, anything that you struggle with, we're going to talk a little bit about that today. But specifically, we're going to frame it in the context of mental illness. And I wanted to just share a few minutes, sorry, head cold, of my story, of my story. Um, I noticed a year ago, probably right now, I noticed that my mood, I had just a change in mood. Normally, I'm a fairly even-keeled fairly nice, pleasant guy, nothing really would phase me. But I noticed a year ago I would have more days where I would wake up and I would just feel off. You ever have one of those days where everything just feels off? You wake up, there's nothing really wrong, but you feel like, you feel like everything is wrong. You wake up and you're like, oh, I'm just feeling like I'm in a cloud. You know, you've had one of those days. I would say, oh man, I'm just having an off day. Well, I found more and more days like that were happening about a year ago. I was like, wow, this is weird. And I heard all the things that you were supposed to do. So I started doing all the things. I started exercising. I joined a health club. I exercised two, three times a week. I eat well. I would spend time outside getting sunlight because I would think, oh, it's just Minnesota. You know, Minnesota in the wintertime, everybody's depressed. So I'm going to spend time outside. I'm going to, you know, think positive. I'm going to spend time. I would spend time prayer, Bible reading, and eating chocolate ice cream. All the things that are supposed to make you feel better, right? And if there's a problem, I would think if there's a problem that won't be solved with prayer and chocolate ice cream, then it's news to me because I hadn't experienced it. But I would do all the things And still, more and more often, I would find myself waking up just feeling down, feeling discouraged. I found myself having to work so hard at just kind of that bare minimum of happiness. I was like, what in the world is going on? And then any little thing that would happen, conflict with my wife, struggles with our kids. And at the same time, you know, we had planted this church it, the church was about a year, I guess about eight months old at the time, and it was, the church was going fine. We were working hard with that. Um, we were having some struggles with one of our kids, um, and the school year was not going well for this child. And so there was a few other things, but it was just more and more. I was like, man, I am struggling right now. Any conflict would come up, and I'd feel like emotionally I would just take a nosedive. And some of you are thinking, some of you have been a part of the church you know, during this time, and you're probably thinking, ah, maybe I know why. (laughs) I recognize that now. Um, But what happened was, I was starting to recognize it, and my wife, my lovely wife, she recognized it as well. And she said to me one day, honey, I think there might be a problem. I think you might be battling something. I mean, there might be some depression here. And that was really hard to hear. Now, I want to say this to everyone here. There's not only the people that are struggling with mental illness, but there's the loved ones of those who struggle with depression, anxiety. And this can be such a conflict. This can be, and my wife did such a great job of saying, there might be something at work here that you need to recognize. And it was hard for me to hear, but I I trusted her. I want to encourage you, if you are wondering if you're struggling, your loved ones, those who are closest to you will be able to tell you, yeah, I've noticed something has been off. I've noticed something wrong. Now, loved ones... You need to do a really good job at being careful how you bring this up because it would have been something different if my wife would have come to me and I had forgotten to put the dishes in the dishwasher and she would have said, well, it's just because you're depressed and, you know, something like that. It would have been not as helpful. So there are helpful ways to bring this up to loved ones and there are unhelpful ways. But my wife was the first to recognize this and she brought it up. So listen to those who are close to you. If you're wondering if there's a struggle going on, listen to those who are close to you. And those who are close, 
Be careful. Be full of love and grace as you bring this up. So anyways, I recognized by about end of winter, early spring, I was really, really struggling. We were doing a series last spring on the fruit of the Spirit, and that was as I was coming out of this battle of depression that I was in. And if you were here, you remember me saying when I was preaching on peace or joy or love or all those things, there was a few weeks where I mentioned, I've noticed this being lacking in my life. That was as I was kind of coming out of that season. But when I really realized it was, I was struggling in March or April, I made an appointment, saw a counselor, saw a doctor. We talked about a, a treatment plan. At that same time, some things with our kids started getting better. There were some other things. You know, winter ended and the weather got nice. Um, any number of reasons which could have caused me to feel better, but I don't really care which one it was. All I know that I was feeling better, and I was very glad. So I'm saying this. I'm just telling you this today. This was my journey over the last year where I felt like I was battling some mild depression. And I'm telling you that to say, if it's you, you're not alone. You're not alone. This is not, there's no stigma attached to this. My battle was relatively brief. And it may be something that comes up again, maybe something that I battle again. Um, but I recognized during that season how easy it is to be discouraged, how easy it is to start feeling like this is never going to get better, this is never going to change. And so that's what I want to talk about today. You might be going through something, mental illness, something else, where you feel like this is a struggle that's never going to change. Have you ever felt that way in regards to anything? Can someone give me a nod? Yeah, I felt that way. This is never going to get better. And you start to feel discouraged, and you start to believe things that aren't true. And we're going to talk about a couple things today that are not true. We're going to talk about a couple lies that present themselves when we're in the midst of a long struggle, in the midst of a season of anxiety attacks, in the midst of a season of depression, in the midst of a tragedy or a loss or whatever, these lies will start coming up and they're going to start whispering in your ear and you're going to believe them because it is so easy to believe the lie when you're facing a struggle. And I want to talk about, you know, physical and emotional things today, but I'm also going to talk about this from a spiritual perspective, from a perspective of faith in God. So we're going to talk about two lies. And the first one is this. Lie number one that we believe sometimes is that God has forgotten about me. God has forgotten about me. This is a lie. Now, this is certainly more universal than just in mental illness. But if you've been through a trial, if you've been through a struggle, any sort of long-term battle, it is so easy to start thinking, God, are you there? I experienced that a year ago. I started feeling, God, why am I constantly feeling like this? I'm doing all the things, reading my Bible, exercising, praying, eating chocolate ice cream. I don't feel any better, right? Why are you doing this? Why is this happening? Where are you? Have you ever been, and I'm putting my hand up, have you ever been in a situation where you're like, God, where are you? Where are you? Have you forgotten about me? Can you be trusted? Are you, as we were singing today, a good father? Are you a good God? Can I trust you? In a somewhat, you know, humorous, more human terms way, I compare this to our kids, okay? Our kids, if you have kids, you know this. Whether they're small kids, preteen, teenagers, they all seem to have this tendency when things are going really well for them and everything's going right, you're the best parent in the world, right? Can you relate? You're the best parent in the world when they've got a cell phone and they're going out with their friends and curfew is extended and all their needs are met. But as soon as there's a consequence, as soon as something goes wrong, what happens? Most kids are like, you're a 
terrible dad. Like, I experienced this in my world. We have some emotional ladies in our house, and I can't believe you would do this to me. I guess it would be better if I was never born. You know, stuff like this, and they storm out of the room in dramatic. It's, it's funny because I put it in terms of our view of God, and I imagine my kids saying to me, how could this happen to me, dad? I, I question whether or not you even exist, you know, sort of things, like how we approach God. But in real terms, this happens to us with our Heavenly Father. We go through struggles, and we start questioning, God, are you there? This comes from a certain belief in the church world, and this has been something that has been preached and is false. It's a, it's a false gospel in that they say this, if you bring God into your life, everything is going to go great. If you bring God into your life, all your problems go away. If you bring God into your life, you're going to be rich, you're going to be prosperous, you're never going to be sick, your kids will be great, all good things are going to happen. This gets preached. People buy into this. It's like an infomercial version of God. Have you ever seen those infomercials with the product that's too good to be true? Like the sham wow. You remember the sham wow? Like we treat God like a sham wow. Like buy... Buy this version of God and all your problems go away. Well, what's the problem is that we still have trials. We still face difficulties, even with God in our life. And if you believe in the sham wow God, the infomercial God, and you have trials, instantly your first thought is, this thing doesn't work at all. Maybe you bought something on an infomercial late at night when you should have been sleeping. You're like, this sounds awesome. I think there's a reason infomercials are on late at night because your judgment is clouded and you're like, I'm going to buy five of those things. This is going to be awesome. And you get it and you realize this thing doesn't work at all. I, I put this on my car to take away the scratches and first rainstorm, it all just washed away. This doesn't work at all. Well, maybe you've approached God that way where you've given God a chance and the first trial comes along and you say, God, this doesn't work. You don't work. This doesn't work at all. And we tend to believe that he's either not trustworthy or even more damaging is we believe we've done something wrong to make God mad at us. And we've heard people say that, well, this wouldn't happen to you if you had more faith or if you did a better job following Jesus, this wouldn't happen to you. And that drives me crazy when I hear people say that because the bottom line is we bring God into our life. He's a good God, but we will still face trials. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that with Jesus in your life, you won't face difficulty. In fact, in the Bible, it says the opposite. Jesus himself said this in John 16, verse 33. This verse will be on the screen. It says this in John 16, I have told you these things, Jesus is talking here, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus himself is saying this isn't smooth sailing all the time. Following me is going to have some ups and some downs. Now, I believe living for God is the best way to live. Not just because it promises us heaven and eternal life, but because on this earth, having God in our life, bringing us peace and comfort, when we walk through the trial, when we face a long night of depression or panic attacks, and we know, even though this is hard, I know God is with me. I know God is with me. That's the best way to live, in my opinion. I believe it. So if you're here today and you're facing a mental illness, you're facing anxiety. You wake up every day feeling depressed. You don't know what you're going to do. Maybe it's something different. Maybe you're facing a sickness unrelated to mental illness or a tragedy or a loss, and you think, God has forgotten about me. Don't believe the lie. God has not forgotten about you. There's people in the Bible who all suffered. I'm going to read a couple scripture verses. This message this morning is just going to have a lot of, a lot of scripture verses in there if you want to write them down and look at them later or go back and listen to it later. But one of them is Paul, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. 
responsible for writing the majority of the New Testament, a great man of faith, had his life drastically turned around for Jesus, and he faced a battle. He calls it his thorn in the flesh. He refers to it, this thing that he was going through, this battle that he was going through in his life. Even though he was giving his life a missionary, traveling around, planting churches, he still dealt with this thing. He doesn't say specifically what it was, and Bible scholars, some Bible scholars, people way smarter than me, actually believe that it was some sort of a mental illness that he was battling. But he says this, Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, it's going to be on the screen. This is Paul talking. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, and get these words, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I love that verse. What Paul is saying is he dealt with this, and he prayed for God to take it away, and God did not come in and say, sure thing, I'm an infomercial God. I'll take away all your problems. He said, even in the midst of your trial, I will be there. My grace is sufficient for you. Another character, King David in the Old Testament, probably one of the most well-known characters in the Bible, a great righteous king of Israel. In Psalm 13, we get a glimpse of him struggling, going through a battle. And if you've struggled with mental illness, these words in Psalm 13 will ring even more true. Psalm 13, they're going to be up on the screen. This is King David talking. How long, Lord? Do we got those verses up on the screen, Psalm 13? How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? Have you ever felt like that? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? Wow, that sounds like a struggle with depression. It really does. How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say I have overcome him. Next slide. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But now he switches. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Two great examples of godly people, people living their whole lives for God, going through seasons of suffering, and yet still acknowledging, God, you are here, you are with me, you are worthy of thanks and praise. So for us, what do we do with our struggle when we find ourselves in a, in a battle of depression or anxiety? What do we do with this? Well, first, like I said, it's a lie. Don't believe the lie. Don't believe that God has forgotten about you. He is with you. Psalm 46 verse 1 says this, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Those words, God is an ever-present help in time of trouble. Ever-present. He is with you. He is with you. If you're wondering if God has forgotten about you, the truth is He is ever-present. It's who He is. He is with you. So the first thing, don't believe the lie that God is not with you. He is with you. And second, and this is hard, perhaps there's a way for you to recognize a higher purpose in your struggle. Perhaps there's a way for your struggle to be redeemed. 
Perhaps there's a way for your struggle to be turned around where God is going to use that to bring good, where God is going to use that for you to help somebody else. If you are struggling with a mental illness, if you're struggling with depression, even just sharing your struggle with other people can be God using that to help that other person so that they know, I'm not alone. I'm not alone in this. Perhaps there's a way for this struggle to be redeemed and that God's going to use that to strengthen your faith, to strengthen your character. This is God's ultimate goal for you. This is God's ultimate goal, not that you'd have smooth sailing, perfect life, but that you would have a heart devoted to Him, that you would have a character that is more like Him. And He'll use every circumstance in your life, good or bad, to bring that about, to refine your character, to get rid of things in your life that aren't good for you, to make you more like Jesus. This is what God's goal is. And He will use depression. He will use anxiety, tragedy, loss, sickness, pain, to bring about that change in you. All the while, he'll be with you, bringing you through it. He may allow your struggle as a way for you to lean more on him, to trust in him more. And man, do I find that annoying when he does that, right? God is using this trial as a way to say, I want you to trust me more, and it is difficult to do that. But that is God's goal, that he would have your heart that he would have your life, that you would trust him, that you would invite him in, even into your pain. And in a minute, Brooke's going to come share her story. But one final thing I want to share before she shares her story is that we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world. We don't live in a perfect world. Obviously, we all know that. Not everything that happens is God's plan. Sometimes people make poor choices. Sometimes people drink and get behind the wheel and cause an accident that has ramifications, lifelong ramifications. Sometimes people make poor choices. We live in a fallen world where we, we just get sick sometimes. Sometimes our bodies break down. Sometimes our brains are not producing chemicals the way they should. So not everything is God's plan. We live in a fallen world, but there is nothing, there is nothing that God can't use. There's nothing that God can't redeem for His glory. There's nothing that the enemy would want to use for harm that God can't turn around and use for good. I've seen it so many times, and we're going to hear a story. Brooke's going to come share her story right now. So in the midst of mental illness this week, recognize that God can take what you're going through and redeem it and turn it around. Can you welcome Brooke as she's about to share? So this is Brooke. Brooke's going to tell you a little bit of a story. Her and her husband, Stephen, Stephen's up doing kids' church today. They direct our youth ministries. They're handling all our students. They're doing an awesome job. We would love to get you plugged in on Thursday nights. We love having Brooke and Stephen around for a number of reasons. They are awesome people, great leaders, and when you hear, I mean, what they've gone through has been amazing, and the fact that they are here pouring into young lives, going through a tragedy, still giving their life to God is just an amazing thing. So, Brooke, tell us a little bit about your journey. Tell us a little bit about the tragedy that happened and kind of how that led you down the road of battling depression. Okay. Well, first of all, I don't really like to get up in front of people, so <laughs> bear with me. But um, six years ago, my mom um, took her life, and it was a huge shock to our whole family. Um, we weren't expecting it. And um, I remember just, like, 
just feeling so sick. I couldn't enjoy food, nothing tasted good. I just got super depressed. Um, I got to the point where, like, I remember driving in my car thinking, like, I'm not going to wear my seatbelt because, like, if I happen to get in a car accident and I die, like, that'll be okay. That'll be okay. Um, I never had, like, the guts to do anything about it. I never wanted to do that because I saw the pain that, you know, taking your life causes on people. Um, but it was, it was a really painful time. I felt like God was so distant. I remember thinking, like, what did I do wrong? Like, why, did, why do I deserve this? What did I do? Um, and just through a series of, you know, um, tons of counseling, medication, um, prayer counseling, lots of prayer, lots of people being able to pray for me when I couldn't pray. Like, I've come out of um, a lot of darkness, but I still struggle. Like, I still need to take my medicine. This past August was really hard for me. Um, I have two children now, and I wish my mom could be here to be the grandma to them, but she's not. Um, and... Uh, I still need people to pray for me, and I need to rely on people. And I, you know, tell my husband, like, I can't pray. Like, I can't find the strength. And he'll find it. He'll, he'll pray for me. He'll be Jesus when I can't find Jesus um, for me. And I have, you know, my close friends that I've been able to communicate about it with, too. But, yeah. So is there anything you can share, just practical advice about people who are facing depression and just uh, wondering when is this going to end or how they can kind of get through. Can you just give a couple little thoughts on that? Sure. Um, the first thing is seek help. Um, whether it's family, whether it's your friends, go to the doctor. They're awesome. They will help you. Um, don't be ashamed. It's, it's an illness. It's something that, you know, like anything, like if you have diabetes, you need it to survive. I need my medicine to get through, to be the best person I can be, to be the best parent to my children and be the best wife to my husband. I, I need my medicine. Um, another thing is worship music was key for me and also um, Bible verses. I would continuously like, you are, I'm more than a conqueror through him who loves me. Um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Just being able to repeat Bible verses over and over and over even when I couldn't, like, I couldn't find the strength to have my own words to pray, just being able to have my verses, my go-to verses. So, Thank you, Brooke. Can you give her a warm round of applause? Thank you for sharing. I am so impressed with them. I'm so pleased that they're on board with us at Homestead pouring into our students. Um, just in other churches in the past, Steve and Brooke have been youth leaders for our kids. I've seen them minister, and I just always am amazed. They're great, high-quality people, and then when you think about what they've gone through, the fact that they're still willing to say, yeah, God, I love you. I'm going to give my life for you. That's, that's amazing. I love hearing their story for that reason, and if you noticed, it's not, Brooke never said, oh, it's, now it's done. She said, this is going to be something that I face, but she recognizes that God is in it, and that she recognizes that God is able to use that to help others. I've seen her use her journey to help other people who are facing depression and anxiety. I've seen her in the room with people who are thinking about ending their life, offering hope and promise and joy and, and a perspective that God is still with you. God is using that. So her story is such an example of God's ability to turn something around. I love that. I love stories where God takes something completely disastrous and hopeless and turns it around for good. 
amazing. Like, how would you turn a situation like that into something good? He is doing that. He is redeeming that situation. So that's the first lie that we believe, that God has forgotten about me. The second one is this. We've got a few minutes left. I want to talk about this. This one is serious, and Brooke mentioned it. Lie number two is this. My life isn't worth living. My life isn't worth living. This one is tragic. This one is tragic when you start to believe the lie, it would be better if I was not here. When battling a mental illness, especially if you are battling it over a long period of time, it is so easy to feel hopeless and discouraged. You get weary and worn down and you think this is never going to end and you start to believe I'm just a burden to other people. Other people are having to deal with me. You start thinking, I don't want to suffer this way anymore. I don't want to feel this way anymore. And you start believing the lie that it would be better off for everyone if you were not here. And I need to state right away, this is a lie. This is a lie. Suicide is a very real part of serious mental illness. Minnesota Department of Health released that in 2015, there were 726 suicide deaths in Minnesota. And that was up 6% from the year before. Now, there's been certain demographics where they have really targeted awareness and help and support. And so, for example, in teenagers, that number has gone down. That number is going down, which is awesome. There's other demographics where that number is growing, going up. So even though the overall number is increased from the year before, they're hopeful that treatment, awareness, help, and support in certain areas can bring those numbers down. There is a stigma attached to this. And uh, in church world especially, I've heard, when, when dealing with the topic of suicide, I've heard some very unfortunate comments from people. One of them is, wow, that was such a selfish decision of that person. And I just hate when, obviously, you know, comments that people make when they obviously they've never dealt with any sort of mental illness. They can't relate at all. Another one is people would say, well, that's the unpardonable sin. You know, God can't forgive that if you take your life. And no, nowhere in the Bible does it say that. The Bible talks about one unpardonable sin, and that's outwardly rejecting God. People who are struggling with a mental illness, God is there. He knows what's going on in their mind. There's times where there's people struggling. They're not in their right mind at all. I just want to remove the stigma about this and just talk about this. It's a serious thing. But God's mercy is there in the midst of this. God's mercy is there in the midst of this. There are warning signs if you are worried about a loved one. And you can ask our guests in the back, the counseling agencies that are here, they're going to know way more practical insight than I will about this. But drastic mood changes, giving away prized possessions or, or things that are very valuable, withdrawing from social situations, these can be some of the warning signs. But if you are experiencing this, if you are at a point where you think there is no hope, don't believe the lie. There is hope. You are loved. There is help for you. God can turn it around. God can take what you're going through and redeem it. I want to talk a little bit more about a spiritual perspective on this. Um, now, this might be something you might have been invited to church today and you just wanted to hear a talk about mental illness. I'm going to talk about kind of the spiritual reality that we live in, and this might be something where you're like, wow, this is crazy. This is his cold medication kicking in because he's talking crazy right now. But the, spirit, the, the Bible talks about we have a God who created everything. He created the world. He created you and me. The Bible talks about there are spiritual forces. There are angels. The Bible also talks about a spiritual enemy. 
talks about Satan, demonic forces. I have witnessed people being taken over by demonic forces and people praying for them and those forces being released. I've, exper- I've witnessed this. So I'm saying this to you to let you know there is a spiritual battle going on for every soul. John 10.10, it says this. It's not going to be on the screen. I'll just read it real quick. The thief, the enemy, comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And Jesus says, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. The enemy wants you to run from God. There are spiritual forces at work in your life, and they want you to run from God. They want you to be discouraged and addicted and doubtful and hurt They want you to be convinced that there is no hope. So in talking about a topic like suicide, we have to acknowledge that there is a spiritual battle at work as well. There is an enemy that would be whispering in your ear, it would be better if you weren't here. There is no hope in this situation. There is a spiritual enemy that wants to take you down. You might not acknowledge it, but it is there. It is there. We have to talk about this. I have a close friend who battled through depression. She struggled through depression, and it was a battle. She was seeing a counselor. She was taking medication, and she was getting through it. And then there was one day where just out of nowhere, she describes it as just a darkness came over her. She was home alone, and she just said, it was like a darkness came over me. I wasn't thinking like myself at all. I wasn't thinking, you know, like I normally do, and it was instantly just the very matter of fact, I need to take my life. This was just, a. she said, a darkness came over me, and I was convinced this was the right thing to do. And she tried to take her life that day, and thankfully she was found in time, and she's still with us today. But talking to this friend of mine afterwards, she said, I recognize afterwards now, that darkness that came over me, that was a spiritual thing. That was a spiritual thing. That was the enemy trying to take me down. She recognizes that now. She recognizes that, but she also recognizes that God was there in the midst of that. So, in talking about mental illness, in talking about suicide, we have to talk in terms of the spiritual reality. There is a battle going on for each of you. There is a battle going on for each of you. This is not to be spooky, weird, hyper-spiritual, and then everything, you know, maybe you've met a, a certain person like that, maybe a certain person in a church somewhere that everything's a spiritual attack. You know, they go to Starbucks and they run out of pumpkin spice and you're just like, ah, this is an attack of the enemy. Get behind me, Satan. No, we're not going to be crazy weird. Okay, we're not going to be spooky weird Christians about it. But it would be unwise for us to not at least acknowledge that this reality is at place in our world. There is a spiritual battle. There is spiritual warfare. And if you turn to God doesn't mean that goes away. In fact, if you turn to God, maybe for the first time today, you're going to see that spiritual battle ramp up. But what have we been reading in the truth? What did we read last week in the Scripture? Those who are with us are greater than those who are against us. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. There's no power of the enemy that can conquer the power of God in your life. This is a fact. This is the truth. So as we wrap up today, I want to talk about the truth. We've talked about two lies, that God has forgotten about me, that my life is not worth living. Now we are going to anchor our lives in the truth in a couple of minutes that we have left. We're going to have a bunch of scripture verses that are on the screen. Because the truth is this, you are so valuable. You are loved by God. Romans 8 verse 35 says this, and it's going to be on the screen. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble 
or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor demons, neither the present or the future, nor any powers, neither height or depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. God has plans for your life. This is another truth. Jeremiah 29 verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. This is another truth that God is always with you. Psalm 139, verse 7. This is seven verses we're going to read through in Psalm chapter 139. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say... Surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you, and the night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. That is the truth. That's the truth. Don't believe the lie because that is the truth. In the midst of whatever you're facing, even this week when depression comes like a dark night, a long night, when you're facing an overwhelming panic anxiety attack, even in the midst of that, God is there. God is there when you're at the heights and at the depths. In victory and defeat, God is there. In sickness, God is there. What you are going through, He is there and He is with you. He is with you. He is seeing you through it. He has a plan for you. The darkness will not overcome you. The darkness will not overcome you. God is with you through it. He will lead you through it. God has the final say. This, as people of God, as believers in Jesus, this world is not our home. One day we will be in heaven. Your depression, your anxiety, it might be a short season. It might be something that comes and goes. It might be a lifelong battle. But depression and anxiety does not have the final word in your life. God has the final word. Depression and anxiety does not define you who you are. God defines you as a child of His, someone who is loved and cherished. And one day you're going to look back on your battle. It might be a year from now. It might be weeks from now. It might be at the end of your life. It might be as you are in heaven one day where there is no more sickness, no more darkness, no more anxiety and depression. But some point you're going to look back and you're going to say, God used it. God turned it around. God was with me through that whole time. God brought me through it. Depression, anxiety, sickness, illness, it did not have the final say. God had the final say. There is truth in the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Amen. There is truth in the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. So if you are believing the lies, you must know the truth, that you are loved by God, that Jesus died for you. That's how much you are loved by God. And you have imperishable hope and a future set in Jesus Christ. Let's stand together as we close. We're going to bow our heads and pray. I just want to pray for you as we close today.
And let's do this. Before I pray, let's just, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, and you may have never acknowledged God or brought God into your situation, but if you want to, invite God in. Invite God into your life. Maybe it would be the first time you've ever done that. Maybe it's in a situation. Maybe it's in your depression, anxiety, what you're going through right now. Maybe it's in a situation with a loved one, a child, a spouse, a family member. But let's do this. Let's invite God in. And if you were doing that today, maybe you could just signify that by just lifting up your hand real quick. Just say, God, I invite you into this situation. I invite you into my weakness. I invite you into my pain. Just lift your hand up to him as a sign. God, I invite you into this battle I'm facing. I don't want to believe the lies anymore. I don't want to believe what the world is telling me. I don't want to believe what the enemy is telling me. I want to believe what is true, and that is the truth of your word, that I am loved by you, that my life has a plan and a purpose to it, that you have given me hope and victory and peace and joy through Jesus Christ. God, we thank you for this day. I thank you for this church. I thank you for the people that are here. I pray that you would do a work in every heart today, Even this week when the darkness of mental illness comes, when any sort of other battle that we go through comes our way, that we would know you are with us, that you are bringing us through it, that we would find a way to say, your grace is sufficient for me. I know you'll get me through it. Fill us with hope today, Jesus. Fill us with your truth and your love. May we all be so aware of your presence in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. Thank you, Homestead. So, real quick, we have a few people that might be coming up front to pray with you. If you would like prayer, just practical things, someone to pray for, come up to the front at the end. We would love to pray for you. Otherwise, visit the booths at the, at the back. Talk to some of the counselors and other agencies that are here. But please, have a great week. We love you. Thanks for being a part of Homestead. God bless you.